Hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome you uh, to Sunday service this morning. I am Naya Swami Maria, and with me is Naya Swami Ananta. And today our guest speaker will be Brahmachari Sagar, and he'll also be sharing with Ananta uh, in the Festival of Light. So I'd like to read to you, uh, this is week 39, and this is entitled, Many are the Pathways to Truth. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. On the dedication page of Swami Kriyananda's book, The Path, appears the following account. A group of Paramahansa Yogananda's disciples had gone with him to see a movie about the life of Gyandev, a great saint of medieval India. Afterwards, they gathered and listened to the master explain certain subtle aspects of that inspiring story. A young man in the group mentioned another film he had seen years earlier in India about the life of Mirabai, a famous woman saint. If you'd seen that movie, he exclaimed, you wouldn't even have liked this one. The guru rebuked him. Why make such comparisons? The lives of great saints manifest in various ways the same one God. The Bible contains a similar account in the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 9. And John said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him, because he followeth not with us. And Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. The more central a truth, the greater the number of contexts in which it can be applied. Truth is like a pure white light, containing within itself the full spectrum of the rainbow. Let no one tell you what your path to God ought to be. Many are the paths Select your own according to the dictates of your own nature, no matter how out of step that puts you with other people. Sri Krishna in the third chapter of the Bhagavad Gita states, trying even unsuccessfully to fulfill one's own spiritual duty, dharma, is better than pursuing successfully the duties of others. Better death itself in the pursuance of one's own duties. The pursuance of another's duties is fraught with spiritual danger. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh.
it's always nice to be here uh, and with old friends and new and those who are watching online uh, who are there somewhere and enjoying this talk hopefully. Uh, my name is Sagar as uh, Maria mentioned and I want to start by reading from Whispers from Eternity because there's one particular uh, prayer that I really like and it takes somebody like a Yogananda with his self-realization and his wisdom to be able to talk about unifying all these many ways, many paths to God by coming straight to the heart of the topic. And this one is called All Bow to Thee. And as you'll see, there are a few terms there. I'm not going to explain those terms because I'm not really clear about them myself. So here's what Yogananda says. Thou art the one infinite to the monist. Thou art God and nature to the dualist. Thou art the finite many to the polytheist. Thou art everything, O God, to the pantheist. Thou art the God of monists, dualists, polytheists and pantheists. Thou art both the infinite ocean and all its finite waves of creation. Because thou art everything, the souls of monists, dualists, polytheists, pantheists, all bow to thee. And so there are, as Yogananda said, many paths to God. This is one way based on belief systems. How many gods are there? Can it be with form, without form? Can you worship a god? Is he in creation? Is he separate from creation? And uh, as the Gita says it separately, uh, all rivers go to the same ocean, so all prayers come to me. And Yogananda put it in this way. But what I want to do today, and by the way, re listening to the uh, whispers, the Ray's reading reminded me because there was this sort of comparison between the life of Gyandev and Mirabai. I realized we have a Gyandev and we have a Mirabai. <laughs> and I am for both of them. You know, they are all <laughs> wonderful lives and wonderful great souls to be with. And they are unique, they are different, and they serve in different ways. So uh, coming back, even though Swami Kriyananda in this talk addresses that there are many paths to God, that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the common elements that all those many paths to God have. There are certain, there's many paths, but they are woven together at certain points, certain knots. And all paths take us through those stepping stones. So I felt it would be fun to talk about those and to elaborate uh, or share my ideas, I might dip into the life of Jesus. I like to start focusing on Jesus when uh, we enter fall, because then I'm sort of more in tune with him by the time Christmas comes, rather than starting there. And I have a much deeper Christmas experience. You don't start, as I sometimes say, getting to know a person on the day of the wedding. You, know, you have already <laughs> known them very well. And so at the eight-hour Christmas meditation, we want to fuse our consciousness with the consciousness of Christ. And our efforts to do so shouldn't start the day before or two days before. Ideally, we should be starting much sooner. So anyway, I might dip into some of uh, Jesus's life and talk about these common elements because he was a yogi and he 
his life showed these same principles. But first, I want to uh, elucidate those principles. One, no matter what, what our path to God is, God is on our side. He's our friend. And we often think of God as judgmental, uh, wrathful, uh, and vengeful, and all those things. A lot of those concepts come from the Old Testament, because there's commandments and a strict God who demands absolute obedience. But one of the, my favorite lines, perhaps, from the Old Testament is something I came across recently. And here's how it's put there. It's the book of Exodus, if I remember. It says, and God spoke to Moses face to face as a friend to a friend. And I always thought, well, there's other ways to speak face to face, as a master to a slave, as a king to a servant, as a lord to his servant, or as a boss to his employee. But the Old Testament doesn't say that. It says God spoke to Moses face to face as a friend to a friend. So God is our friend. He's on our side, no matter what path to God we are choosing, what path to self-realization we are going to traverse. Second, I just want some water here. Um, the second element is, no matter what path to God we choose, we are going to feel inadequate. There will be those points where we feel we are not worthy if you've seen the movie on Thor, you know, that's made a big thing. Are you worthy? But oftentimes we won't feel we are worthy. We'll feel we are stuck. We'll feel, oh, we came with such great dreams and hopes. And am I getting anywhere with it? And that is a common part of all paths. And the other part of the same equation is we never get there by our own efforts alone. We have to do our part. We have to come up short and realize that this friend we talked about is on our side and he empowers us and pushes us over the victory line. I realized this when I read something from Yogananda. I visited SRF Lake Shrine in Los Angeles in July. And as they were giving us a tour there, uh, I saw this uh, statement from him, which I'd never read before, and it was so powerful that for that whole day, you know, I couldn't think of anything else. And that happens to me a lot. If I read something from Master, our guru, other things start receding very fast. And so Yogananda wrote this, and it's so balanced. It talks about our self-efforts, but that finally self-realization comes because a higher power steps in to helps us, help us. And so Yogananda says, the soul is bound to the body by a chain of desires, temptations, troubles, and worries, and is trying to free itself. If you keep tugging at that chain, which is holding you to mortal consciousness, someday an invisible divine hand will intervene and snap it apart and you will be free. So we have to do our tugging, but if we think we are going to break the chain, it's too strong. But our tugging activates this higher power, which says, you know, it puts its hand on our hand and pulls at that chain when we least expect it oftentimes, and we find we are free. So feeling inadequate is a natural part. We can't get there with our egoic consciousness. 
but that higher power steps in. And the third part of all spiritual paths is victory is assured. There's no possibility of failure. And this comes from the Bhagavad Gita, where uh, again, it's related to feeling inadequate, you know, will we ever get there? But remember, uh, the Bhagavad Gita is a conversation, as we know, between Arjuna and Krishna. But Arjuna represents, well, let's see, I'll tell you what Arjuna represents. He represents somebody who really wants to be self-realized, but who has doubts, who sometimes worries, who's not clear on how to act. He doesn't know sometimes whether he should fight. He has desires, which he's not sure. If I let these go, well, what will happen to me? How many people can resonate with Arjuna? I would love to see a show of hands. <laughs> That's why Yogananda said Arjuna represents devotee everybody, because he represents all of us seekers who have these uh, things to deal with. But in the Bhagavad Gita, later Krishna shows Arjuna, Krishna represents the Guru, shows Arjuna his divine vision, his you know, divine form. And it's written very poetically there. But there's one line, I wonder if you have thought about it. Again, it's one that touches me very much at my heart because it's so necessary. It gives me that boost which I require. Where Krishna is talking about many things. Then finally he says, these enemies that you see arrayed before you, Arjuna, you know, because the war is about to be fought. The enemies are his negative tendencies, attachments that keep him bound to mortal consciousness, that chain. These enemies that, I, uh, that you see arrayed before you, Arjuna, I have slain them already. You are but my instrument. You know, and that to me is really amazing. Here in the Gita, he has not even started fighting. He's wondering whether he should fight. And Krishna says, I have slain those enemies already. You are but my instrument. Because the Guru sees that eventually we are going to be self-realized. There's no if and but. But it does not seem like we will ever get there. And so these are elements that are true to all spiritual paths. And like I said, I wanted to talk from the life of Jesus. And I, the way I want to bring that in is, here's what happens when somebody becomes really, really interested in the spiritual path. Um, I noticed this in our own working with the world. You know, we, I work with online with Ananda. And uh, for our videos, we create so many videos we use this software called Vimeo. Now, Vimeo is interesting. As long as you are using one of the basic accounts, the only support you get is via email. You can't get them on phone, and you can't do anything. You have to send an email, they'll send you an email back. But if your interest level increases so that you go for what's called an enterprise plan, you get, a, your, you get your personal account manager. You can call that person at any time, and they know you personally. They uh, make sure your account is set for you. Okay? And, well, that's not just there. If some of you have invested in stocks, you might have realized if you use a platform to just invest a little bit, you have to do it on your own. But if you invest heavily, you get your personal portfolio manager. <laughs> you know, who will work with you to make your investment a success. 
We do the same when we share our first course in meditation. We respond to people on email. But those who continue to the path of Kriya want to become disciples. We have one-on-one -on -one Zoom calls. We want to get to know them better. And I said, I would mention this, I said to our development team, you know, Mai and Jyoti who do such a good, good job of working with people who want to support this work. When somebody donates often, one of them will get in touch with that person, not because they're giving us money, because we realize this person's interested in this path. He feels for it. We should get to know him and offer him or her and offer them personal guidance and opportunity to share, see how we can help them. Now, man is made in the image of God. And that doesn't, doesn't just mean that when we become self-realized, we become God-like, but by analyzing human nature, we can infer the laws that God works with also. And so when God sees somebody is not just halfway interested in the spiritual path, but really giving it his all or her all. You know, he says, oh wow, here's a person who's investing a lot of time, who's very, very sincere, putting in a lot of energy. It's not enough for this person to just have, you know, non-personal guidance through books and other things. I need to send him a personal portfolio manager. <laughs> and that's the guru. You know, at that time, God assigns that soul a guru, a self-realized soul who will give personal guidance and ensure that this seeker who's so interested in becoming free gets everything personalized to that person, every soul being different, so that they can become free. This is the law. We see it operating in all those softwares. This is also the law which Yogananda said the divine operates on. And so once we do that, then the Guru is with us forever. It takes more than one lifetime, as we can imagine. But it's the Guru's job, because it's his responsibility, to make sure we reach the divine goal. And this is where I want to bring in the life of Jesus, because you know I had jotted these thoughts down during one of the retreats for Christmas. Uh, the first the stage at which Jesus is introduced, you know, when he comes back, as Yogananda said, from India at the age of 30 to start his mission. I, many of you must have read the uh, New Testament. Remember how he starts. He, it says, the Bible says, he goes, there is John and James, they are in a fishing boat. Fishing, they're fishermen. All Jesus does is looks at them and says, follow me. And the Bible says they drop everything and follow him. Then he goes to Peter and Andrew. They're doing the same thing. They're fishermen too. And he says, follow me. And they drop everything and they follow him. Then he goes to Matthew, who's a publican. A publican is a tax collector. And it says in the Bible, he's sitting at the tax booth. Jesus says, follow me. Drops everything and follows him. I humorously call that line, follow me, Jesus' pick-up line, you know. <laughs> because that's how he picks disciples up. The spiritual path is a divine romance. And the guru reminds us again and again. Now, if somebody, some random person had come to me while I was going about my business and looked at me and said, follow me, I would have said, now, I'm going to use a term Jamal used because, you know, that's the first time I used, I heard it used. It's American. Jamal's an American, but he serves in Pune. 
No way, Jose. <laughs> we have a Jose here, but when Jemal said that, I said, Jemal, my name's not Jose, you know. Why are you calling me that? Until I learned what that meant. And that reminds me, but <laughs> the other time I was flummoxed by some of American terms was when I came to Boston and somebody who didn't even know me, probably it was at a store of some kind, <laughs> he looked at me and said, see you later, alligator. And I was like, why are you calling me an alligator? I mean, <laughs> but then Prashad told me, I'm supposed to say not for a while crocodile. So <laughs> anyway, uh, coming back here, um, there was that instant recognition. Jesus didn't ask uh, any Tom, Dick, and Harry to follow him. And as the Bible says, not everybody followed Jesus. But they were just picking up where they had left off. Jesus was in charge of their portfolio of karma and freedom and all those things that need to be taken care of. And when they met, there was that recognition. This is what happens in the lives of all souls, whether we know it or not, might be more dramatic or less dramatic. I was reading in Yogananda's life, I was reading the life of George Gay, uh, who was a disciple of Yogananda's. And the way he met Yogananda was he was minding his own business, walking on the street, and this Indian-looking fellow, who's never seen before, stops and says, George, be sure to be at my lecture this evening, and takes off. And George is like, what, where, how? And he keeps walking, you know, but then he sees this poster of Yogananda saying there's a lecture happening at a certain place. And that's how he met his guru. And I was reading the life of Oliver Black, who was another disciple who, from Detroit. The way Yogananda met him is, Yogananda was traveling from somewhere, I think Ohio to Los Angeles, where his headquarters were, and he felt Divine Mother telling him, don't go straight to Los Angeles, go via Detroit, which is, you know, it's not the straight path. So he said, all right, I'll go there. And Yogananda went there, and he had no idea what to do, but he felt guided to go to a telephone directory. So it's all right, he opened the telephone directory. And then, because he didn't know what to do, he started running his hand around, uh, along the names until he came to this name, Maud Emerson. That's E, you know, so quite a lot of time. And when he felt he should stop, so he calls up the, picks up the phone, calls and says, you know, I'm Paramhansa Yogananda and I'm supposed to call you, I don't know why. Do you have anybody interested in yoga? And he says, yeah, there's this person, Oliver Black who teaches yoga for our group. He's the one I want to meet. And Mr. Black was one of Yogananda's close disciples, and that's how they met him. And one last example I want to share, because sometimes these things happen so sweetly. I was reading The New Path, and Swami Kriyananda was in India in the 1950s as a representative of SRF, and he was giving classes in Delhi. He traveled all across India. And he was there for a week, there were people there, and he said, I'm here for a week. It'll be easier for me to grant interviews if I can stay with one of the devotees here, rather than at the ashram, which was far away. Would somebody like to host me? Few hands went up, and Swami finally chose one whose eyes he liked. And he said, okay, I'll stay with you. And this person took Swami home. And then he said, Swamiji, I want to tell you something. I read autobiography of a yogi years ago, and I intensely wanted to receive Kriya Yoga. I didn't know what to do. Then I saw in the newspaper that you are in Patiala, which is another town, a hundred plus miles away, and I was going to take leave of work, 
and travel all the way there to get Kriya initiation. But my wife said, why? If your faith is strong enough, he'll come to Delhi. And he'll come stay with us. And he said, here you are with us. Who would have imagined? But all I'm saying is that relationship kindles itself again, rekindles itself, seemingly miraculously. Once we come to the path, there is that time where we are exuberant, full of joy, full of power. We feel the worlds are oyster. But then difficult times come. Now, coming back to Jesus' life, it's the same. All the apostles, they were all with Jesus. And when Peter was asked, who am I? Peter said, well, yeah, you are Christ, the son of living God. He was 100% sure. But then the difficult times come. And remember, and I want to bring this up, the last days of Jesus, the Garden of Gethsemane. And we are talking about the 12 here, high-class disciples, the best of the best. Jesus says, I'm going to pray. Don't fall asleep. Keep vigil. What happens? They fall asleep. All 12 of them. He comes back, says, well, don't fall asleep. Stay awake. Can't you stay awake for some time? Because this is my time of trial. You know, that's the time Yogananda said very consciously gave up his divine protection so that he could be taken by those soldiers. And um, they fell asleep again. And Jesus comes back and says, what are you doing? Can't you stay and keep vigil for some time? Sure enough, they fall asleep again. And then Jesus says, Lord, the heart is willing, but the flesh is weak. There's no condemnation there. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, and I say this because sometimes we feel bad that we are not up to the mark with our discipleship, with our meditation. I don't think anybody here would fall asleep three times within one or two hours if the guru himself, Yogananda himself, came and told you, don't fall asleep. But they did that. But that wasn't yet the worst day of Peter. It was only beginning. Because then Jesus was taken, and Jesus had said, I'm going to be taken. And Peter had said, you know, with that enthusiasm, which we have on the spiritual path, when tests haven't yet come. They won't take you from us. I'll give my life, but they won't take you. And Jesus said, is that so? You'll defy me, deny me three times before the break of dawn. And sure enough, that's what Peter does. He denies Christ three times because he's being questioned. Jesus is being questioned. And somebody says, you look Galilean. Aren't you with him? Says, no, no, I don't know that person. And then somebody else says, your talk and your speech are Galilean. Didn't I see you with Jesus? No, 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 I have no idea what you said. And the same thing happens a third time. And that's when, as Jesus had said, the cock crows. And Peter feels so ashamed he gets out of there. Now, again, this is something in different ways we go through. We feel we haven't really done what we should have done, what we came to do. But that's not all. Peter has more goofing up to do. So when you feel low, remember Peter. You know, uh, by the way, we have a good friend, Peter, who's help, helping with the broadcast. And I don't mean you, Peter, just so you know. Uh, coming back, uh, let's, what happens later is Martha says, I saw Jesus resurrected. And Peter does not believe it. Finally, they see Jesus resurrected. And Peter realizes, well, my guru is ever living. He's always with me. But that's not all. You would assume, well, here are the 12. They have seen their guru resurrected. Now they have clear sailing. They're going to uh, 
follow Jesus' commandments, which were spread these teachings. But if you read the book of John, what happens? They are going fishing. They are living lives as ordinary fishermen, having forgotten their vocation. Now, if there was any reason for somebody to be sent to hell, it was these people. I mean, you got to live with Jesus, you got all the blessings, you saw him resurrect people, he resurrected himself for you, and you're still not carrying out the guide guidelines or the vocation that your guru has given you. You should get prime time seating in hell right next to the fire. <laughs> but no, what happens? When they come back fishing, you know, they don't catch any fish. Some person who they are not sure who this person is tells them, go try again. And they come back with all this fish and they see that same person's uh, prepping a meal. And they say, that must be our Lord. And Peter, who's, you know, his heart is smiting him, finally jumps out of the uh, ship. He doesn't wait for it to dock and swims all the way across where that meal is being prepared, fishes. And what does Jesus say? Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I do. He asks again, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know I do. And then he asks him a third time. And every time he says, Lord, I love you, he says, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, you know, share these teachings. And the third time when he asks the same question, he says, you know I love you. And he was letting go, probably forgiving that karma of defying Jesus, uh, denying Jesus three times. But there was no judgment there. And then Jesus says the last line in the Christian Bible, which is the same as the first line he ever utters when he starts the mission, the pickup line, follow me. If you read the book of John, that's the last line from Jesus. It's the same, this is the only path to God. Wherever we are, we turn and follow that instrument of light, our personal portfolio manager, so to speak. No matter how badly we've done thus far, that light is with us, is for us. All we do is remember that mantra, follow me. We follow and eventually we come to that divine goal. So remember that line from the Bhagavad Gita. These enemies that you see arrayed before you, I have slain them already. You are but my instrument. Victory is certain on any path to self-realization. As long as we do our part with the ups and downs and the inadequacies and all those other things. Many blessings and joy to you. Be friends.
Oh! 